Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the fifth part of our Family Matters series. How many of you enjoyed it so far this month? So many important topics that we've talked about, and today what I want to talk about is how to interact or how to be in relationship with your coworkers and friends. Because let's be honest, as we grow older, we see our families, but we also see our coworkers and friends probably more than we even see our families. We might see our families a few times a month, but we see our coworkers and friends multiple times per week, and they become like family. So we're going to talk about how to have a healthy relationship with some of these people, these close friends in your lives. But I want to start by asking a question. You don't have to raise your hand. This is rhetorical. Have you ever been jealous of someone else's success? Have you ever been jealous of someone else's success? And if you're really honest, have you ever been jealous of a close friend or a coworker's success? I don't know about you. I know that I have. But maybe, you know, you have a coworker or a friend, and maybe you were single together, and then all of a sudden they found a person and fell in love, and you're happy for them, but you're also a little bit jealous. Maybe your marriage is just okay, and you look at your friend's marriage, and it seems like they're so connected and doing romantic things all the time. Maybe your kids are going a little crazy right now and doing some crazy things, but your friend's kids, they mean, they seem so well-behaved and they seem like they're really serving the Lord. Maybe your career feels like it's a little bit stagnant right now, but, but there's this coworker that you're doing life with and it, it seems like every time you look, they're getting a crazy promotion or they're doing so well in their career. Maybe your friend's Instagram account is gaining more and more and more followers, but yours doesn't seem like anyone will even like one of your posts. Maybe you're living in an apartment or an older home and a good friend of yours just built a beautiful brand new home and you you, you just can't help but be a little bit envious or a little bit jealous. Maybe you've retired and you look at some of your retired friends and they've got the money to do all these cool trips and all these fun things and give money away and and you can barely pay your bills and, and maybe that's hard for you. Whatever it may be, wherever you're at in life, I think sometimes it's easy to be a little envious or jealous of our friends and coworkers. I know I have. Back when I was in Bible college at North Central University, I had to take a course called homiletics. Now, homiletics simply means the art of preaching or writing sermons. Because another way to say sermon is the word homily. You might see that in more of a traditional church. Instead of a sermon, it'll say homily. Well, homiletics is the art of preparing a homily or a sermon. And so we went through this training in homiletics one. You had to take homiletics one and then homiletics two. And we went through this training in homiletics one. 
And they taught us how to read scripture, how to look at it in the context that it's in, and how to prepare a sermon from scratch, how to put your thoughts together on paper, how to be engaging, how to do all these things that communicators are supposed to do, and then preach a a sermon where people don't fall asleep. (laughs) That was the goal. Well, in Homiletics 1, we went through all this training, and then at the end of the semester, we each had to preach a 15-minute sermon to our classmates. Well, I got up there, and I'll never forget, I took it serious. And I got up there, I still remember what I preached on. I was out of Psalm 84, one of my most favorite uh, passages of Scripture. It's David talking about the presence of God and how lovely it is. And I just really felt like I had a word from the Lord for my classmates, and I just talked about being passionate for God in Bible college. And I'm telling you, at the end of this message, people stood up, they clapped, and I was like, wow, that went really well. Maybe, I, maybe I'm decent at this. Then came homiletics two. The second part, now homiletics two is an advanced course. You take it when you're getting closer to graduation and it's with everyone who's been studying for three or four years. And so in homiletics two, you have to preach like a 10 minute message every single week in front of your classmates. But the difference here is after you preach it, you walk outside the classroom You shut the door, they all talk about you behind your back, then you come back in and they tell you how terrible it was most of the time and what you need to improve. I took this as a personal challenge. I said, listen, I got a standing ovation in HOM 1. I'm going to come into HOM 2 and let you guys know what I can do. So I came in, I took it serious, I put together this sermon on spiritual warfare, I had illustrations and a sword, and I had all this stuff, and I was ready. And so I preached this message, and I walk into the hallway thinking, man, when I come back in this classroom, they're going to be blown away. I come back in the classroom. And they start going around the room telling me what I can prove on. And they said things like, you were not engaging. Your illustrations were childish and cheesy. You did not have good voice inflection. You were all over the place. Your message had no flow to it. You used filler words and you allegorized the text. I don't even know what that means. So I just shrunk down in my seat a little bit. It was a very humbling experience. Then a buddy of mine got up to speak. And this is a buddy I met at North Central. And he was already serving as a youth youth pastor. It was his senior year of college. And he was serving as a youth pastor. Really great man of God. And he got up to speak. And when he got up to speak in front of the class, it was amazing. I mean, I had never been engaged like this. I laughed, I cried, my, I was like, oh my gosh, my heart, the, the context, the, the revelation I got, it was just amazing. So he went outside and, and when he was outside, we were all supposed to talk about what we are gonna critique him on. Everyone looked at it and said, we got nothing. That was an amazing sermon. And because he did such a great job, he was picked to speak in front of our whole student body chapel in front of a thousand people. 
And they only picked two students a year to do this. And it was something I really wanted to do. But they didn't even come close to considering me. They considered this guy. And he's up there in front of our entire chapel. And he preached another sermon that was just so good. And in that moment, I have to be honest with you, I was so envious. I know you're not supposed to be that in Bible college. You're actually trying to work against that. But it was in that moment I thought, should I even do this? Is this even what God's called me to do? I mean, he's so good at this. Should I even do this? And here's the key. Instead of celebrating his success and what God was doing in his life, I made the story about me and my lack of opportunity and my lack of success. And I think in our friendships, and in our co-work, with our coworkers, and when we're at work, sometimes it's easy to make things about us when it's really about them. You see, you have to realize something. Their success isn't our failure. Their success is their success. And this has been happening since the beginning of time. In fact, I want to show you a portion of Scripture in Genesis 26. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Genesis 26, verse 12. And as you're turning there, we're, I just want to remind you, you can go to cccsterling.org on your phone. And on the homepage, there's a card that says this Sunday. You can follow along with the Scriptures there as well. There's a place to take notes also. Or you can follow along behind me as well. But just to give you a little context of what's happening here, this is a portion of scripture about a guy named Isaac. Now, Isaac is the son of Abraham. Abraham was pretty much the father of Judeo-Christianity. He's who God chose to start the line of Christ. And Abraham received a promise that he was going to have a son in his old age, and he did, and he named him Isaac. Then Isaac eventually married Rebekah and had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And they were living in the land of Canaan when all of a sudden there was a famine in the land. So they had to move. They had to move somewhere where there was food, where there was a better economy, where they could actually live and survive. So at first, Isaac started heading towards Egypt, God kind of said, don't go there, go a different way. So he ended up going to the land of the Philistines to a land called Gerar. And he talked to the king there, and the king let him have a little portion of land to live while he was there. Let's pick up the stories in Genesis 26, 12. Isaac planted crops in the land, and that same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the, all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech, which is the king of the Philistines, said to Isaac, move away from us, you've become too powerful for us. 
So there's a couple significant things in the story that I want to look at. Number one, the fact that Isaac, it says Isaac sowed into the ground. And what it means is he had a good work ethic. He was willing to work hard to do the things necessary to produce a good crop. What's very interesting about that is that Abraham, his father, was a very wealthy man. Very wealthy. And the Bible specifically says he passed all of his wealth to Isaac. So Isaac probably didn't need to work this hard, but he did anyway, which shows you something about Isaac's character. And he was working hard, and God blessed. The Bible said God blessed that hard work. And out of all the land, he had the best peace. And whatever he did prosper, he became very wealthy. Then all of a sudden, the Philistines envied him. Why? They envied him because everything he did was prospering, and they weren't getting rich, and they were living in the same land watching him prosper in their land, a foreigner prospering in their land, and they got upset about it. And so they said, you know what? We're not going to do this. We're going to sabotage this. And they filled the wells up with dirt. And that's significant because digging a well was, cost a lot of money, and it was very hard to do. And when you stopped up the well with earth, it basically killed your water source and you couldn't survive there anymore, forcing you to leave. So they sabotaged him. And the reason why is they were jealous. They were jealous of his success. Think about it. Here comes Isaac and Rebekah. Now the Bible says that she was a beautiful woman. So they're looking at Isaac going, listen, he's got his beautiful wife. He's got these two kids. God is with him. Everything he does turns to gold. They were just so jealous. And from the outside, it looked like he had it all together. Have you ever been in that same situation? where it seems like you're in the same proximity as someone else, the same age bracket, the same, working just as hard, but it, it seems like whatever they do prospers, and you're sitting there going, when is it going to be my turn? When is it going to be my turn to prosper? But see, God doesn't want us to treat people like that. He wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves, which means He wants us to be as happy for their success as we would be for our own success. That's what being a good friend or coworker is all about. See, too often times we're just like those Philistines who are envious and jealous of the success of people around us. And sometimes we even try to sabotage that success. But I'm going to give you the powerful truth this morning. Is if you can learn that it's not about you, it's about them, and their success doesn't mean your failure. We can begin to celebrate the people around us, and we can see all of us begin to prosper in what God has for us. So let me ask you a question. How do we ignore those feelings? You're looking around, your coworkers and friends, you're, you're starting to get a little jealous, you're starting to get a little envious. How do you ignore that? Well, I want to give you two ways to do that this morning. Number one is stop comparing. Stop comparing your life to their life. You see, comparison has always been an issue since the beginning of time. 
But in the day we're living in, because of social media, it's even further. We're comparing all the time because anyone can post pictures of what they're wearing, cooking, where they're traveling, who they're dating. We see videos and pictures of people having the time of their lives. And then we look at our own life and we get disappointed. In fact, there's a new term out there right now. It's a legit term in the dictionary. It's called hate-like. Hate-like. Get this. This is really funny to me. Hate-like is defined as this. The act of liking someone's photo on social media, even though it fills you with intense jealousy. It's called a hate-like. And... This hits home with so many people that Hotels.com created an entire campaign trying to get you to not hate like your friends' photos, but take a trip of your own and use Hotels.com to do it. Look at this little video with me. She's staying in a rainforest treehouse? That's my dream. You dream big for a man on a plane to Omaha. And she's ziplining with little John? What? It's Lil John. Even he knows that. Thanks, Captain Obvious. You are with Big John. I'm Stu. Don't hate like their trip. Book yours with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. <laughs> Don't hate like their trip. Book your own. It's funny, but it's true. This is the era we live in where we're constantly looking at other people's lives and comparing them to our own. But comparison is unfair. And comparison is untrue because we compare what we know about ourselves to what we don't know about someone else. And that's always going to be untrue and unfair. I've got a couple photos I want to show you this morning that kind of illustrates this. Can we pull up the first one? Okay, so Instagram, you might see a picture that looks like that, but in reality, that's the one on the right is probably how it came out several times before they posted this picture on the left, but we'll never see that picture on the right. Next one. So you see on the left, This person's showing off their makeup on a nice rug that probably is really expensive, but when you look closer, it's on their cat. (laughs) Let's go to the next one. Okay, so the expectation is we're going to make a cookie for all of, you know, the fifth graders at school that looks like this, but in reality, this is probably how most of them came out over here. And the last one, you go to Burger King... That's what the advertisement is, but that's what you normally get, am I right? (laughs) Comparison is unfair and it's untrue, but we do this all the time. And the same thing happened to the Philistines. You see, they compared what they knew about themselves to what they didn't know about Isaac. And can I tell you something about Isaac? His family didn't have it all together. They were pretty dysfunctional, actually. If you look at Isaac and Rebekah, they had the two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob was constantly trying to steal what was Esau's, the birthright, the blessing. Then the Bible legitimately says this. It says that Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. That's messed up. 
that's messed up. And then Rebecca, this beautiful wisdom woman, you know, Proverbs, whatever, woman, and he, everyone compares themselves to Rebecca. And Rebecca literally helped her youngest son deceive her dying husband into giving the blessing to him. The Philistines didn't know all that. Had they, done, had they known that, they might not have got so jealous. They may not have kicked him out of their land. They may not have compared their lives as much to him. But can I let you on a little secret? None of us have it all together. None of us do. People may act like they do, but they don't. None of us have it all together. We're human beings. We fail. We fall short. We say the wrong things. We do the wrong things. It's why we need a Savior. So we need to stop comparing our lives to others because we're comparing what we don't know about them to what we know about us. And it's not fair and it's not true. So that's the first point. The second one, instead of comparing, start celebrating. What would it look like if we just became the biggest fans of our closest friends and coworkers? Like we were for them. We were behind them. We were in their corner. You see that friend who's just releasing their first book on social media, and instead of being jealous because you haven't written a book, you get behind their book. And you say, I'm so happy for you. Let me share it. What can I do to help you promote your book? Maybe that new coworker or friend did so good on YouTube that they just quit their job because they can do YouTube full time instead of being jealous. What if you celebrated them and shared that around and got so excited for what God was doing in their lives? Seem to celebrate. Celebrate the fact that your friend bought Bitcoin at 3,000 and sold it at 20 and 20,000, and you had the idea, but you didn't do it. Celebrate them. Get behind them. Praise God for that. Celebrate the fact that your friend took their whole family to Disney World while you were in the backyard playing in your kiddie pool. Celebrate it. Enjoy it. Good for them. Celebrate the fact that someone, your closest friends, got that romantic getaway that they've been hoping to get even though you don't have any time or money to take a romantic getaway. Celebrate it. Enjoy their success. Get behind them and celebrate them. You see, early in the, earlier in the passage of Scripture we wrote, we read, Isaac said these words, or the Bible says these words about Isaac, that he sowed into the ground. And what happens was he reaped a reward. He sowed, God blessed it, and he reaped. God couldn't have blessed it if he didn't sow. Like if he just went out to the land and said, all right, God, here it is, do it. Nothing would have come up. But because he worked hard, because he sowed what he had into the land, God was able to bless something, and then it came up and made him prosperous. Some of us are not sowing into anyone else's life. You're not celebrating their success. You're not getting behind them. You're not sowing generously into their lives, into their ministry, into what God's doing. And then you're wondering why no one's sowing into you. 
why you're not reaping a harvest of God doing something amazing in your life. See, it takes sowing and reaping. And that's the key. I'm telling you, if we all simply just begin to sow into the lives of our family members, our friends, and our coworkers, just begin to sow into their lives, not into our own, not expecting anything in return, but hey, I'm just gonna sow into your life. I'm gonna celebrate what God's doing. I'm gonna be in your corner. No matter if he's doing anything in mine right now, I'm gonna be in your corner and be happy for you and celebrate you. If you did that, I'm telling you, what, would you be, what you would begin to see is your life begin to prosper. Because you can't sow and not reap. God will bless that heart. But unfortunately, jealousy and envy keeps us from celebrating those around us. It's a tool the enemy uses to keep us from having great friendships with our, and great relationships with our coworkers and great relationships with our family. Amen. One of my coworkers, Phil Smith, he has this favorite portion of scripture, and if you're around him at all, you'll hear him quote it from time to time. It's Psalm 104. He quotes it all the time. And what I love about Phil is that he's not one of these worship leaders who is just into the music and just into the art, but doesn't have a deep walk with the Lord. He actually has a really deep walk with the Lord. And then the music is something that's birthed out of that. And it's, it's an amazing thing. And we talk about what God's showing us in Scripture from time to time. And he showed me this passage in Psalm 104. We may know it when the word says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. But here's what it says in the message version. Psalm 104, it says, you can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. I love this phrase. The password is praise. The password. Could it be the password to maybe receiving the breakthrough in your own life is praising and celebrating God, but also praising and celebrating the people around you? I believe that's the password. That's the secret to breakthrough in our lives is celebrating, celebrating with other people. You may be going through something really hard, And you look around and you say, that person didn't have to go through that. That person didn't have to walk through what I walked through. And sometimes it's easy to get a victim mentality in that moment and to get bitter. I'm going through something that none of my friends or coworkers had to walk through. This isn't fair. I'm telling you, the secret to getting out of the funk is to celebrate what God's doing in the lives of the people around you. It takes your focus off of you and puts it on them. And that's always a recipe for success. So the truth is there's always going to be people 
who appear to have a better life than yours. There's always going to be those people. No matter how good your life gets, you're always going to look at someone else's life and think they have it a little better than you. And people are always going to look at your life and think you have it better than them. That's the truth. I got an opportunity to play golf in a celebrity golf outing. And I played with a guy, um, an actor, and his name is Glenn Turman. I don't know if any of you know him. He's, he's been in a lot of things. I think we have a picture of him. Glenn Turman. And I was playing golf with him. He was in the show A Different World and a, and a couple other shows and some movies. And I'm thinking, this guy's in his 70s, and he's been in Hollywood his whole life. And I'm just going to pick his brain a little bit and see how it's been, what the experience has been like. And I asked him, I said, what's your greatest accomplishment, you think? And he did not hesitate. He said, the next one. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, in Hollywood, you're never satisfied where you're at because someone else is always doing way better than you. And I really haven't enjoyed this success because it's so hard to live in this town and be content. And I'm thinking... Here's a guy that all of us, we would think he's successful. He's on the big screen. He's got a lot of money. He lives in Hollywood. He's been able to do a lot of things that this life offers. But he did not feel successful. And when we, when we constantly compare and we can't celebrate, we will never find joy in this life. We will always be looking at what we don't have and what the people around us do have. You have it good. You are blessed. God has got great things in store for your life. He's doing some great things. But let's celebrate the people around us because their success doesn't mean your failure. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. It's something we all need to hear and let meditate into our minds and into our hearts. Because it's so easy to live in this country and look around at other people and feel like they're doing so well and we're not. It's so easy to always look forward and dream into the future that we forget to be in the moment and in the present and we miss out on life. Lord, I just pray that we would be content and grateful for what we do have and that you would give us the heart to celebrate those around us. That when something good happens to a friend, a coworker, a family member, we would get behind that and celebrate them and enjoy it with them and do our part to help launch them into that instead of looking at what we don't have. I thank you so much, Lord, and I pray as people begin to sow those seeds into others, you would rain down, rain from heaven, Lord, and multiply the blessings on their own life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So each week in June, 
we had a challenge for you in the Family Matters series. And the challenge is found on our website, on the homepage. You can print off a weekly challenge. You can also have a print, there's a printable out at uh, the Next Steps desks. But today's challenge is simply this. Write an encouraging note to a friend or coworker who recently had a success and celebrate with them. Celebrate one person this week. Maybe it's on social media. Maybe it's in in the workplace. Write a note, send a message to a person that is doing something pretty cool, even if you're a little bit jealous of it. Send Send that note to them. And I just want to encourage you, just because we're ending the Family Matters series, take those challenges that we gave you. You can do them multiple times a month. Remember this summer just to have great experiences with your family, to keep God the center of everything you're doing, and to just enjoy this summer because it will be gone before we know it. So let's enjoy it together. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.